It's another week and lots more drama. Thank you for finding the podcast listeners. Today we are in for a wonderful treat. We've got Sydney DuPont who was just nominated for a Tony for Paradise Square. And this chat was recorded right before the nominations came out. And he shared with us his hopes about getting a nomination. It was so sweet. And I'm really glad he did. So you'll hear his entire story about being involved with Paradise Square, amongst his other amazing theatrical credits, pop culture inspirations. And it's just a great chat. We truly hit it off. If this is your first time listening to the pod, welcome to the drama family. Dylan and I are so excited that you're here. In addition to our weekly Wednesday episodes, I would be remiss if I did not mention that we have a Patreon, which is a bonus content platform where we will share the extra steamy drama with you every week on our close friends, as well as releasing our close friends on Instagram, that is. And we also release episodes that are just Dylan and I chit-chatting um, and we really get into it. We just did an entire series about Tony nomination predictions and now our reactions to them. And you can support the pod and support us by going to patreon.com backslash the drama podcast and signing up. And we would really love that. And like I said, you get to be on our close friends, which is pretty cool. We really get into it. Let me tell you, it's the only thing dramatic about drama. So thank you for finding us. And listeners, welcome back. Now onto the show with Sydney DuPont. Press play. Curtain up an hour in. It's time to take in. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got numb? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. This is our second recording we've done here while I'm visiting. I know. And we were just telling our guests beforehand, there is nothing like the energy in the room. It's electric. It, I'm a broken record at this point, but I do miss recording mm-hmm. in person. You know what I don't miss, though? What? Because we would record at Shetler Studios, for those who don't know. Shout out to Shetler. Shout out to Shetler. First of all, the expensive rooms we had to rent. And then also, <laughs> the way that if we hadn't met the guests in real life before... The awkward moment of like waiting for them to arrive. Oh, and, like, yeah. Or finding them in the lobby. Like, I would get so nervous. I would get so nervous too. I do get nervous when they enter the Zoom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a moment. But Dylan, we've been having so much fun while you're oh, here yeah, in the city together. What has been your highlight of your trip so far, <sighs> other than seeing Paradise Square? Well, that course. was one of them. Anytime I see a new musical, I always love that. You know what it's been? It's been reconnecting with friends from my life that I left behind here in New York drama i know and i haven't been able to see everybody but you know it's been great just to like walk these streets and and reconnect with adrian and kelly and all the people that i love and and it's funny too i've been seeing so many people from ohio while i'm here too that's fun i know it's been fun it's been great um connections run deep i know we saw a live podcast recording last night should we do a live podcast we should one day one day i know what it's gonna be like we're gonna sing the theme song come out of retirement and sing Mm -hmm. the theme song Mm -hmm. then we're gonna have some you know gag worthy guests because they all are and then they're gonna we're gonna talk to them and then they might perform a little bit okay maybe at the end it's a concert it's like a chat show yeah 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 i love that that is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Corden's leaving the late show. Anyway. He has breaking news. Drama. Okay. Shall we get into it? Let's get into it because I want to talk about this show. So th- this season of on Broadway, there's so many, you know, new musicals, things that have opened and closed already, a lot of things that have been delayed. And this show, 
Paradise Square that we got to see last week has already been a trip highlight. And we have one of the stars today. I know. And I didn't realize he was one of the literal stars no, when we were in talks. Agree. Agree. And then I was gagged. Rarely leaves the stage. I know. <laughs> and keeps coming back. I know. Which we'll get into that too. And he which... comes back and I'm like, why are you back? I you should have. Anyways. <laughs> I know. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. So I'm going to read the introduction here. But our guest today is one of the stars, like we said, of the extraordinary new Broadway musical Paradise Square, tapping, dancing, and singing his heart out eight times a week as Washington Henry. Before creating the role at the world premiere in Berkeley Rep, this multi-hyphenate also toured the country and appeared in the Australian company in Beautiful, the Carol King musical, a show that was also his Broadway debut as one of the drifters. He also toured in Memphis, the musical, and A Chorus Line, as well as performed regionally in Man of La Mancha, In the Heights, and Gypsy. On TV, he was an FBI Most Wanted on CBS, only CBS. More recently, he appeared off-Broadway in Trevor the Musical. Our guest lately has also stepped behind the scenes as a director, editor, cinematographer, and award-winning screenwriter. Please welcome to drama, Sydney Dupont. Hola, how's it going, guys? Oh, good. It's been so nice just getting to know you before we even hit the record button. Likewise, you guys are just a bunch of light and fun, and I'm already having a great time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's better when we're together. I know. <laughs> Quote Fifth the magic. Harmony, one of their early, early, early singles, Better Together. Fifth Harmony. I do. I do. They were everything. They were, they they were, were a moment. They that song, Boss, where they said... Michelle Obama, purse so heavy, getting Oprah dollars. Like, what a... What, those First of all, you're off book, and I love that. <laughs> that part alone is brilliant. There's a part of my brain that stores lyrics to songs that no one has heard in years, and it's a dark place. It's a special skill is what I like to call it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For sure. But, Sydney, I'm so happy you're here We were chatting a little bit before, and before we dive into all the things we have to say, I'm wondering, how are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, you know, honestly, we just uh, wrapped our OBC, Original Broadway Cast Album. We just finished Monday and Tuesday. So I was in the studio Monday and the studio on Tuesday, and it was just one of those moments where you feel like your intentions and purpose has kind of met at the same time. And you're doing something that you always knew was possible and that you always knew you were capable of. Um, But to actually be doing it was one of the most humbling, but also immensely dynamic moments of my life, for sure. uh, It's unlike anything I've ever witnessed. And to see this cast and, and to see how we put the movement and the sounds from the show into the actual album. I'm just excited. I'm excited for the world to finally hear it and see it. And yeah, 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 that was great. But as far as my heart, as far as me outside of the show, I am doing great. It's been um, hard, long days, you know, um, I don't know how many people talk about the, the the ins and outs and behind the scenes of doing the show, especially a brand new Broadway show. It is grueling. It is not for the faint of heart. And you guys have seen the show. So you see how much emotionally acting wise it takes you how much physically it takes you dance wise and vocally it's it I don't think I sing any song that doesn't have a B flat in it so it's you know it's a it's a hard show but it is so worth it and so my heart has been really really full these last couple of days just being able to tell the story you seem very at peace as well with like the way that the process is gone I mean I know that y'all had a little bit of a delay due to like a 
well opened COVID and then outbreak. and then you were on pause for a second right? we all got covid it, i mean it got us it really did uh our lead our illustrious lead jakina mm. kai congo said it on stage you know when we came back you know it really got us and as it did a lot of people from opening nights you know from even in january and and december yeah. and strange strange loop had to push back their um their opening and everything previews and so, I mean, it, it, it really hit our community hard. And, and I think the thing that's so special about our show is just the tenacity and the resilience that not only the cast has, but even within the show, I truly believe art imitates life. Wow. And it's funny because I do feel like the show, these, this community is very much a community on stage and off stage. And somehow we have found a way to lift each other up, even through the adversity of having to close our show right after, you know, opening. Oh my God. I, yeah. I love to hear that. I mean, it's true. I haven't seen such a large ensemble piece in a new Broadway musical in years. Yeah. Pro- like, <laughs> me either. <laughs> me either. I mean, right? Like, it was, it's not at like Lincoln Center, maybe. Sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, true. yeah. yeah that's true. It was really awesome to see. I was picturing like, you know, high schools and community theaters doing it one day because it does give such an opportunity for a large group to get together and do these incredible dance numbers, these soaring songs, great opportunities, especially for a female lead, you know, things like that. And it was really cool. I could tell on stage that you guys really do rely on each other. Yeah. It's not often that you really have a connection with every single person in your cast, even when it's a smaller cast, you know, it's just, you're always having, you know, your, your, your core group. And then you have, you know, your, you know, your associates and, and the people that you, you you know, your work friends. But I will say with this cast, there is not one single person that I haven't hung out with outside of the theater. And just truly, we love each other. Like, I mean, it's almost overwhelming sometimes because we really, really do support each other in such a real way. And it's it's one of the best experiences I've actually had in my life as far as working with this cast. They have they have helped me up on some of my worst days, some of my lowest moments. And, um, and I'm just really, really grateful for each and every one of them. Truly. Wow. That's so, that's so beautiful. Even in everything you were saying about recording the album and opening and everything, I I do have a lot of questions. Mm And I I think before we jump into a lot of the other things, I would, I'm wondering if you could give our listeners just a little, maybe elevator pitch about what Paradise Square is about. Um, Because I think that a lot of people, you know, it's not an adaptation mm-hmm. yeah. or a movie or anything like that. It's a new musical and truly original. I think a lot yeah. of people, there were a lot of question marks surrounding the show mm-hmm. when it was coming in. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what is that? What's that going to be? Yeah. So I think the show is about a woman truly finding out where her strength lies, um, specifically a Black woman in 1863 who owns a property in New York City, which is, I, I think, in of itself, if that doesn't put you in the seat, I don't know what will. Like, I mean, you just, that is just such a great premise in of itself. Um, but you see how she um, lifts up a community and how that community lifts her up in order to push through some of the most harsh moments, I would say, in, in our American history, that being the draft riots of 1863, where Irish Im- immigrants and Polish immigrants and, and people and poor people, if we're going to be honest, poor people were being uh, drafted into uh, the Civil War. And rich people, uh, very similar to today, you know, were finding ways to circumvent being held accountable or being a part of the masses when it came to the draft. And that 
triggering a really harsh reality for the community that lived in the Five Points. And although they, you know, they may have been harmonious in one moment, I think this was the the split and the crack that uh, took a community that had free Black people and as well as Irish immigrants and it really kind of tore them apart in a way that brings us to where we are today. And I think that's what the show is really about. It's about um, figuring out how we can somehow be better than the choices that we've made. And, and hopefully we don't make the same mistakes. Oh, I think you did that. You, that was beautiful. And I want to see it again. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) For a while, right? Yeah, I've been, okay. So long story short, I, I, um, I was doing gypsy in, uh, in North Carolina, uh, I was playing Tulsa and, uh, yeah, one of my favorite shows, um, dream world for sure. Um, and I, was closing the show that Sunday. It was it was a Friday. And we were closing the show and I got a call out of nowhere that they needed a drifter in Australia of all places for beautiful the character musical. And so I they were like, we need you out by Monday. And I was like, that's impossible. So I was like, what about Tuesday? So then they fly me out to Australia. And while I'm in Australia, I get an email from my agent that says, hey, there's a new show called Hard Times. And there may be moments of dancing in it. <laughs> and and I'm like okay and Jason Holland's attached and Bill T. Jones you know and Moises Kaufman from the Laramie Project and so once I heard saw those those names attached and I was like okay well let, let's give it a shot and so I sent an audition a video audition and uh and I actually met with Moises Kaufman on Skype obviously Zoom wasn't quite a thing yet <laughs> probably knew what it was called I know wait what year was it Sydney what year 2017 17 okay wow yeah. so five years and then after that uh, I met him on Skype and and he was so lovely and it was so nice and and then next you know, I was being flown to Canada and I was doing the workshop in Toronto. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How much of the original cast or the cast that's in it with you now was there in Canada that day? Um, I'm the only principal wow. that has been there the entire time. But the ensemble, there's a few people. There's Colin uh, Cunliffe, who uh, is, I mean, Broadway. He actually just got the the Broadway role. Oh, uh, oh nice. The legacy role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Because um, he's done so many shows. And there's a woman named Car- uh, Karen Birthright, who is my left heart. I mean, she's just one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, and there's a few other ensemble members, Garrett Coleman um, and Jason Aramis, who did the Irish choreography for the show. They actually started off as ensemble members. And then it was very clear that their expertise and specialty was you know, very valuable. And so they began to choreograph for the show. And, and so, yeah, it, it's been a few people who have been a part of it for a while and, and we have been through the fire, uh, but we have absolutely come out shining unscathed. So, and how much, yeah. this was hard times at the time. Yes. How much of it was what we see on stage today? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, di- it's a very different show. I mean, like most developments, you know, it goes through big shifts, but I, I can tell you that during that first workshop, that was the first time that Nelly was was supposedly the lead of the show. Um, before then, it was Stephen Foster. It was 
more centered around the Irish, um, like solely the Irish plight. My character, his name was Thomas Jefferson at the time. And he had one song. He was very much, uh, a, I mean, you guys see, I'd never leave the stage now. At one point, I, I was, I only had like one or two numbers and that was, and that was it. And for moments the of dancing, as you were told. And moments <laughs> of dancing. Yes, moments of dancing. And certainly I'm Irish dancing and I'm doing African and, and Juba and so many different styles of dancing all meshed into one, you know, and I think Bill T. Jones um, really, really helped a lot of it kind of have a, a motif and a clarity um, and a story to the movement that helps the actual story, you know, yeah. grow. And he, of course, won the Tony for choreographing Spring Awakening. Yes, and Fela. And Fela, yeah. Oh, okay. nice. Wait, now I, I have to tell you, I some of my favorite moments in the show were between you and AJ Shively's character when you guys would kind of go back and forth. Wait, we're getting into spoiler territory now. I thought it was going to, I thought the Paradise Square was going to go gay with it. And you guys were going to be like, wait, we're kind of in love. Do people tell you that a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So okay, okay, okay. This this should be saved for the last section, okay. but it's okay. We can do okay. it's definitely a drama. <laughs> so uh, so okay. W- my initial audition. Um, there is is rumored that Stephen Foster, spoiler alert, who is a character in the show. Um, he in our original audition, it was a scene between the three of us. And basically, Stephen Foster is rumored that he was actually gay. And that is the reason why he left his wife and his daughter in Pennsylvania to come to the Five Points and live out the rest of his life until he passed away. Yeah, so the story that Craig Lucas had originally wrote, at least from the script that I was I read, um, it was a bit darker and it was more about Stephen Foster and, and that bit of truth that kind of really, I think, grounded him in this world of others a whole bunch of other you know um, yeah and what happened was him and in the scene owen uh and foster actually have a bit of a relationship and it was the idea was that owen would seduce stephen foster so that he could have the money to potentially uh skirt the draft uh so that was and i was and but i was the one who was like owen you need to watch out for him because he he may be a little <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I mean, it was an interesting thing. And then also, I would say this: there's a line in the show. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to tell you guys this, but whatever. Uh, there's a line in the show where Owen, I wake Owen up from a nightmare, right? And the way this the scene was originally written, I was going to be in the bed with him. That I'd be sleeping, you know, at the bottom. He's sleeping at the top. Head at you know. Old school, you know. Picture, I kind of picture Owen is more of the bottom, but okay, we're, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you, Sydney. I'm on the, I'm on the, I'm on board. <laughs> and so, essentially, we were we're sleeping next to each other, and he gets up and he says, uh, he wakes up from this nightmare, and he's like, "There was a bayonet; it stabbed through my middle," um, and he's having a nightmare about you know about the thing. And the writer, <laughs> Christina Anderson, made a joke that uh, I don't know how much of a joke it was, but I'm, I, I'm sure it was a joke. But she said the idea was that I was sleeping and that my yeah. <laughs> had poked him <laughs> while we were sleeping. And that was the bayonet I love that it. woke him up. 
that was the band. So the intention was to go gay with it. And in my heart of hearts, I feel that. I thought so too, because they're like, they're going to share that tiny snuff right. box of a room or something. Snuff box of a room. Yeah. Right. I was like, oh. You know, I wish that. I mean, I think AJ Shively is such a wonderful, wonderful actor and a wonderful human being. And I think he's just one of the most cutest oh, men. I've ever. He's yeah, such a cute. Cutie. Who knew he was so yeah. limber, kicking his legs up? I was like, yeah here we go yeah he sits in the split oh my and, and he's always i remember the first day i met and he's not even like a, a a dancer dancer but he has always had the facility his body has just i mean because he always does a lot of yoga and stuff but he's always just been so flexible since the first day i met him i was like wow this is you just wake up and you're just yeah. you know and now what was what was your dance background because i mean it's it's a huge part of your storytelling in the in the piece yeah, so I um I started dancing a little bit later in life. Uh, I started dancing when I was 16, 17. So I was like uh, in, in high school and I went to the creative and performer arts high school in Philadelphia. And um, I was a voice major there. And Jasmine Sullivan uh, had graduated like a year prior to me being there. And like Boys and Men went there and, and Quest Love and, you know, The Roots. And so, I mean, it was just like a, a iconic school. Yeah, and like the people, LaGuardia yeah. High School is shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead. I mean, it wasn't Philly, so I mean, there, there's a culture in Philly that's just like you you can't touch. But New York is obviously chef's kiss. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when I was there, I saw these dancers, many of them who now are with Ailey and and Complexions and all of the world and at the Met and everything. Um, but they, I remember walking past the dance room and seeing these men who are so powerful yet so graceful. And I was like, oh, I, I want to do that. I want to, I want to, you know, learn how to do that. And, um, and so I became a dance minor and I started dancing, you know, as my free period and taking classes um, there. And then I got so into it that I um, started going to Philodenko and the Rock School of Ballet and, um, and just taking classes anywhere and everywhere I could to like improve my technique. And then, you know, then I went to college where I danced a, a bit less. Um, I went to University of the Arts for musical theater, but I audited as many classes as I could with Scott Jovich, who did Fosse and, and a bunch of other, you know, Sweet Charity, you know, the original and stuff. And, and I really had a great mentors who, who helped me. And then after that, just, you know, I did Memphis and I danced a lot in that and I just kind of kept kept doing it. But I think for this show, what has been interesting over the last five years is just taking so many Irish tap classes <laughs> and and learning how to step dance I had never done any like rhythmic kind of step dancing and and these these polyrhythms that we have and that especially specifically this character his his power to control meter and time is I think what makes him so unique and interesting and then also I I like to meld the world between his masculine side and his femininity mm-hmm. and just how how those intertwine into the way he moves, the gracefulness and the way he moves and the freedom and how he moves, I think is really important. It just goes to show how dedicated you are to your craft and look where it's led. Yeah, I think you do every style of dance in the show. It's seriously incredible. You mentioned that there's multiple choreographers on the team. I love that everyone's credited. Like, I love that it wasn't just sort of like a one one person one. and everyone just works together but only one person gets credit you know yeah I mean well as you saw there's so like you said there's so many different styles of dance and each person is and I think that's what makes the show work as far as a community is that every single dancer is unique and specific in how they move and and the story that they tell with their bodies and so I think it's it's really really powerful that Bill 
has he knew that in order to make such a wealth of of choreography and to make a wealth of of culture Mm -hmm. you know you have to actually listen to the culture that there's you know it's not fair for bill to put irish choreography on people without understanding the culture behind it and when you have jason aramis and garrett coleman who who put that irish choreography together that is their culture. And so they are able to understand why there are certain motifs and certain things that happen um, within the show that are unique to that culture. And I think that Bill respected that. And I, and I think that's, a, that's what makes this show really, really sing and dance. And dance. <laughs> and dance. And dance. Gosh, was your dream to star on Broadway one day when you were younger? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think... I think, you know, when I was two years old, my, my dad um, got a, a camera, a video, you know, VHS camera thing. And we had this huge television, uh, television TV. I mean, it was like on the ground, it was heavy AF. <laughs> and, and I remember he had this camera and he had somehow panned it towards me as a two-year-old. And I looked at the camera and then I saw myself on the TV. Uh-huh. And I remember just like, seeing myself and my parents tell the story all the time and I ran to the TV and I put my arms around it like like hugging a version of myself I don't know but I think from that moment there was just like this idea that I that I wanted to to be on television I wanted to to perform you know and I grew up in church and so that there was a lot of singing and, and amazing singing and music that that I and training that I got there and and that just gave me the knack for performing for people and, and more than anything, not even just performing, but I think storytelling and just making people feel something, you know, I think that that was very much the goal for me. And I remember being in college is when I started really thinking like, okay, Broadway, like that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a goal, you know, but I think what became more clear to me is is what I'm doing right now, which is originating a role. I think that for me was a dream. Everybody's like, oh, what's your dream role? Simba? You know, oh, Fiero? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I really never, I mean, although I would love to play those roles, I think what really was for me was the creativity of creating a role from nothing yeah. not a book not not an actual human being necessarily <laughs> although my character is based off of william henry lane who was an uh, amazing dancer at that time oh, I, yeah, I cool. that either, they know. don't tell you that oh come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's based off of, i mean juba he's actually credited for inventing tap as we know it and that in the five points area and so a lot of my character is based off of him actually at one point in time in berkeley my name was Will Henry Lane. It, it was okay. okay. Thomas Jefferson, Will Henry Lane. Hey, I've had a, I've had a lot of different names. I know. Wait, so this is sort of a segment that we do have on the show. It's called the Ring of Keys moment. Would you say that that moment with the the television and the video camera was sort of that Ring of Keys moment for you? Yeah, you know, yes. I, but I, you know, it's hard because I can remember obviously very little of that moment. So I would say that the true. The true moment that that got me, I was in fifth grade and they were doing Once in the Silence. I, I guess I have to thank uh, Aaron's and Flatty. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they were doing Once in this Island. And it was like, a, you know, school play, seventh, seventh graders and eighth graders. And I'm in fifth grade and I'm watching them doing, you know, a lovely bingo, you know. <laughs> and I just loved it. I remember looking up on stage and just being like, oh, that's what I want to do. And it was the first time that I had saw 
acting, singing, and dancing done all at once, like like a musical per se. And I had never seen that before. And I so before, I think I only thought of just singing or recording artists or a movie star or things like that. And it was the first time that I was open to the world of theater. And I think that was the time I got like bit. And oh, yeah. It was, and it was, uh, that was it. Were you a big LaShawn's fan? I was. And, and so <laughs> I'm not going to cry. So, um, <laughs> I was a I was a huge LaShawn's fan. And I remember uh, watching her on uh, Rosie O'Donnell on YouTube and just like, just being like, oh my God, she's just stunning in her smile and her light and her effervescence. It just, it absolutely blew me away. And funny enough, I met her, the first time I met her, I was auditioning for Star on Fox uh, for, yeah. for a television show. And, and they were looking for a character who could sing. And so I think I sung a, a song for you by Donnie uh, Hathaway. And she was in the waiting room and I, didn't, I hadn't seen her, but she had came in while I was performing in the room. And when I came out and she was like, was that you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was me. She was like, you are incredible. Your voice, oh my God, you are a star. You oh. are a star. And- and I was just, and I was like, and, and she was like, I'm LaShawn's. And I was like, I know who you are. <laughs> and, um, and so she fed life into me in that moment. And then she actually came to opening night for Paradise Square. Oh. And we have a picture together and we talked for a long time. And she just poured life, life into me again. And we're just like, I think she said to me, she was like, I have never, I have never seen anyone like this do what you're doing she was like I sat there and I was like who could I compare him to is it you know Ben Marine is it you know who 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 fits in this in this thing that he's doing and she was like I can think of no one you are one of one and I mm-hmm. sobbed <laughs> and uh she is truly truly um one of one of my favorite performers of all time that's for sure did you share with her about that audition story i did i did she remembered she remembered she absolutely remembered she was like she's like i i thought i thought i i thought i recognized that voice when i sat down and saw you oh she knew she'd come back into her life in some way yeah yeah and also she's right i mean i can't think of another role on broadway like the one you're doing now like the simbas and the fieros are great but you get to use so many of the tools in your toolbox here. And I'm sure there's even more that you haven't shown us yet on a Broadway stage, but, but still it's really impressive. You do such a great job. And I know we've been talking about Paris Fair a lot, but you leave it all out there on the stage and it must be like killing your body to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it. you know, I, if I'm going to be honest, I think emotionally is actually where it really that's where I get the most tired physically I mean, it's so crazy to say physically that's when I get tired but it actually does you know by the end of act one it's such a roller coaster because you emotionally go through I be a soldier you go through a big dance number multiple dance numbers in act one um, especially for my character and then he, he begins to talk about his really traumatic past you know what I mean and it's 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 hard because a lot of it's not shown to you guys. You know, the choreography is purposely very abstract, and and the, the but the lyrics are really potent. And what I see, what I'm seeing as Washington Henry in my mind's eye, is much more traumatic than what you all are seeing. Mm. So the emotional well that comes up for me sometimes it, it can be overwhelming. I get off stage and. And, and it's and I, luckily, again, I have such a wonderful cast, but they really pull me up because sometimes it's hard to to let it go after you take yourself to a place like that. And, and it's also hard to sing when you 
go too far. I've had some performances where it is so overwhelming, it's hard to even say the words because it's so emotionally charged. And so those are the moments that actually um that actually are the hardest. Um but don't give me don't be fooled. The choreography, <laughs> I ice my feet every day after every show and I have all the different you know, rubs and, and icy hots and, you know, whatnot. So. <laughs> I'm thinking about this now. Did you work with Chilina Kennedy in Beautiful? I did. She was, she was the first Carol that I got the chance to work with. And I remember I hadn't seen the show when I auditioned. So when I had booked it, I was my first time seeing the show to like, you know, take notes. And I remember seeing her as Carol and I was simply blown away and I tell her every day because she was also so kind she's one of the first people to talk to me backstage and you know when you're the lead of a show you know she just led with such grace and such kindness and it was always genuine and to this day it's so genuine and I mean she's Canadian and they're known to be just some of the kindest people you you could ever meet but she really truly is just it's just one of one you know I mean her talent and her kindness is just really really powerful She's a bit of a scene stealer in Paradise oh, Square. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. She's hilarious. She's yeah. hilarious. And it's and so vastly different from Carol. Like, oh, wow. I don't know if you guys got to see her, but they're like two different. It's it's really impressive. When Actually, when I found out she got cast as Annie, I was like, and this is no tea to her because, I'm yeah, obviously she's very capable, but I just always saw her as Carol, you know, very meek and, you know, and Carol King. And so to see her come be the strong, you know, two gun on her hip, you know, mm-hmm. badass, it is just so, so, so indicative of her talent and her versatility for sure. Was Beautiful fun to be in? Oh, I love Beautiful. It was, it was yeah. my Broadway debut. And I am so, so grateful that it was because the people that I've met there are lifelong friends, Douglas Lyons, my friend Jay McKenzie, who's also in Paradise Square. We also did Memphis together as well. Yes, I mean, there's just like, there's a bunch of people actually who did Beautiful who are in Paradise Square. I also met Jason Howland, who did the orchestration for Paradise Square. And he also um, music directed uh, Beautiful, which is how I got into the running for Paradise Square as well. So he conducted the performance of Paradise Square that we were at. Yeah. And he is a genius. 100%. I have never in my life worked with someone like Jason Howlett. He is not only a genius on the keys and, and orchestrating things, but as a human being, he is so caring of the cast in a way that I've never seen from any person in the creative team. He just truly invests and us as people, as human beings, each and every one of us. And I think that is something that makes him so special. But musically, I mean, you guys heard, I mean, he has harps and tubas and I mean, strings and horns and guitars. Like, like I can't even tell you how many guitars he has in that, in that uh, uh, pit, like banjos and everything. So I'm just really grateful to, to work, with, work yeah. with him for sure. And it was just nice to hear such a full you know, pit orchestra as well. That's such a rarity now mm-hmm. on Broadway. It's a lot of synthesizers now, but yeah. it's really amazing. But also people will know Jason Howland. He was one of the writers of Little Women, the musical. Yes, yes. Oh. Yeah, he wrote the music. He wrote all the music for Little Women, actually. Astonishing. That's yep. him. Yeah, I get to get him and yeah. Mindy Dixon, or Dixon. Yes, yes. I sure. really ride hard for Marmy's songs in the Little Women musicals. <laughs> <laughs> plenty, that's do. for another pod for another day yeah. um sydney before we 
we move on, I, I need to ask you, because I was doing research on you and you had this incredible feature in People Magazine about you being deaf in one ear. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I have an AirPod in my, in my left ear, but it's doing nothing. It does absolutely nothing. It's purely <laughs> aesthetic. Oh um, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm deaf in my left ear. I had never really publicly talked about it, partially because I just, you know, it, it when you're hearing impaired or, or any kind of, you know, imparity it, it, it's something that you just deal with like I think every day people are like oh how do you do this show and I'm like you just do it <laughs> you know what I mean you just you, you have to and I felt like that's how it was during my life I I knew that I wanted this career and I knew that I wanted to be a performer so you just do it you don't allow anything to get in your way because you know there's a purpose for you and there's a a, a destiny that that you want to you want to be fulfilled. And so you just kind of push through. And and I mean, there are harder days, you know, I mean, and it is a miracle to be able to dance and for my equilibrium to not be, you know, thrown off and, and, and vocally to hear harmonies and, and, and do all the things that I'm doing every night. Yeah. I don't take it for granted that it is something special. Um, and it is something that I have absolutely worked all of my life to, um, to do. So. Is your hearing quite good in your other ear? Yeah, it's like super hearing. It's like it's super. <laughs> I mean, the last time I, you know, I usually go for like a year checkup, and the last time was was last year, and it was my right ear is like really, it's really powerful. It's 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 really strong, and my left ear has been has been, hasn't really had uh, much growth in in the positive way, but there are some times that I can hear like really, if they're really obviously loud and like high pitched stuff, sometimes I can clock that, but it's very, very seldom. I have a weird question for you and I might cut this from this because I don't want it to be insensitive, but if you sleep on your right ear, can you, is, is it just total silence? <laughs> yes. And I love it. You don't have to cut okay. this. I, 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 I love it. Especially living in New York, I think sometimes like when you hear like, you know, the noise from outside, it is really nice to be able to just turn over on my right ear and just like shut the noise out from the whole world. And sometimes it's really great because if (laughs) I've had partners in the past who snored. And it was really great to just be able to turn on my right side and just like shut it out. But then there are days that it's, I mean, more days, especially with COVID, that it that you really realize it does suck sometimes you know when I'm outside and people have masks on and and I and I didn't realize how much I read lips until until COVID and so sometimes a a lot of times especially outdoors when there's a lot of sound happening it is hard for me to to hear people and so I'll actually if they're walking on the left side of me I'll do a do-si-do so I can be on the right side of them so I can hear them a little bit clearer I'm so impressed by you thank you for explaining that too you're truly a superhuman doing all these things on Broadway and I, I never yeah, knew I, I didn't know yeah I mean I didn't know you could yeah. out of one ear when I saw your performance and mm-hmm. I was blown away and it's just such a testament to you and moving forward in life you know thank you yeah I mean and honestly even recording <laughs> that was a, a, yeah because what happens is sometimes you know when you're in a recording you, you see Mariah Carey do this you know you, you take one ear ear thing off but it, it actually it actually does help because you can hear what you sound like right through the microphone and with all the tracking and stuff like that. And if you have a working left ear, which I don't, you can hear what you sound like in real time and the space, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives you a, a better sense of, of your, your tone and breath and all that stuff like that. And 
I realized how difficult it was when I was talking to my co-star Gabby, uh, Gabby, Gabrielle McClinton. And, and she was like, Oh, she's like, you have both of yours on. And she was like, is that better? And I was like, well, I don't really have a choice. <laughs> I was like, I have one. And if I take the other one off, it won't, it won't matter one way or the other. So mm-hmm. I just keep them both on. And so it's just things like that, that you're, you're reminded of uh, what you actually have to work through and, and what other people don't. Yeah. You know? Wow. 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 Sydney, you are amazing. Before we wrap up and say goodbye for today, we do like to end on a dose of drama. It's our titular segment. It it sort of touches upon maybe something we discussed today. I know we got into a little bit of drama earlier with some themes in the show, but it could be something you want to recommend, something you've been thinking about or want to get off your chest. Um, Connor, I'm going to throw it to you. Do you have a dose of drama for today? I do because we're recording this on a Friday and it's, I don't know when this is coming out, but it's the first Friday in 2022 that we don't have a new episode of Drag Race. Yes. Ding dong. I know, I know. I don't, I almost don't know what to do with myself and I'm actually very pleased with the winner and I will, I guess, say who won because it'll have been enough time has passed, but Willow Pill won. I'm, I'm gagged. Love Willow. Deserving winner. Mm -hmm. I'm not often like super, super thrilled with who wins, but I think even though she only had one challenge win, she is the most memorable queen of the season. So anyway, so happy about that. Very strong season. Yeah. Strong. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there were some other, I hear you. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I think it was such a dynamic I mean? cast. Yeah, I know. I, they were, a lot of them were really great, but I feel like she really won my heart personally and with her drag, sure. you know? Like it just felt yeah. like a special win. But I will say, you know, everyone makes... So much about, oh, week 14 of Drag Race, week 15, week 16, week forever. <laughs> and it was so nice to, even if I had something else going on and didn't participate in Drag Race culture, it was so nice to every Friday know I was probably going to watch with friends somewhere, it, whether it be a bar, an apartment. Like, it felt like an event every Friday night to participate in, especially, like, a queer-focused event. Yeah. So that was a really yeah. amazing thing. And I feel like I'm kind of missing that today, even though I have plans. We're doing a queer thing tonight. We are, we are, we are. Sing the music, man. Is that queer? Anyways, I don't know. Queer <laughs> yes. <laughs> Foster feels like queer culture, but. 100%. 100%. But you know what I mean? So my drama is that I already missed Drag Race, but never fear. It'll be back in a month with All Stars. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, is it me next or are you going to go? Um, are you going to go, Dylan? Well, I'll let you go, Sydney. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll cap it off at the end of this. Okay. My drama is, okay. So do you guys watch Moon Knight? I do. Connor does. I have I not do. watched yet. Okay. Okay. Good. So, my drama is I I just one first of all don't think that there are enough episodes that are released automatically. Like I hate it. Um, somebody was like, "Hey, have you seen Moonlight?" And I was a Moon Knight, and I was like, um, "No, I haven't." Um, but I want to because I love everything Marvel. And so I go see it, and I'm like, "Okay, they're going to at least release like three episodes at once because that's what they did from WandaVision." Right. And so I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to get." And sure enough, it's only one episode. And I'm like, this is what we don't do. Because I was going to wait and just, you know, let them every week come out with an episode so that way I could properly binge. And it doesn't help that it's also like a mystery. The whole thing is like a mystery. I would love it. Yeah. And so you're putting these pieces together and it's also Egyptian culture, which I, and, and like, you know, mythology. And that, that is just my ish. And I think like, I I think it's just so good. And that's my drama is that 
I have to wait every week and they leave you on such a big, huge cliffhanger. I know. And it pisses me off. Uh, that's all. <laughs> you, I think that this show would have maybe been better if they dropped them all at once or if it was a movie for that reason alone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be such a great movie. It. I, it's so funny though, because we're we're off. <laughs> we're we're such a fickle, you know, know. society. Because there's like times that we're like, oh, this would be so much better as a TV show. And then like, if they make it a a movie, then we're like, oh, it's it's too long of a movie. They should have made it like multiple episodes. Because sometimes I don't want to sit for a whole movie, but I'll watch eight episodes of something yeah. in a row and then <laughs> it's the same I, amount of time. I wish I would have known that you were a Marvel person. We could have dove into some of that other stuff. Huge Marvel fan. Yeah, I'm such a nerd. We have a big summer <laughs> yeah, I, of, of, of exciting things. We do. Doctor Strange. Thor, um, a bunch of other yeah, things. Hey, are you going to go see um, Doctor Strange, a.k.a. the new Wanda movie? Uh, period. Uh, okay. My ticket is already bought. I'm already... I'm ready to go. Because I, I, I don't also don't want the spoilers to come out. And then, and then you know, it'd be... I, I can't. And I know that there's... I mean, I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Do you guys, do you guys know anything about it? You no. Know any, no. Like, I actually like, try to keep my keep my Marvel. Yeah. One of our best friends, Nick, will tease us like once a year. He'll like tell us everything that's coming up, and he'll give us little hints. And sometimes it's mm-hmm. true, sometimes it's not. But that's the most we'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll Fair enough. Fair we enough. See, we'll chat after we see the the movie, and I'll let you. Okay. Know. Yeah. 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 Okay, really, love it. Love it. Love it. Love really quick, my dose of drama is. Oh, yeah. I have recently fallen down a strange rabbit hole of listening to every version of Meadowlark that's available on yeah. Spotify. I know yeah. it's so random. Okay. okay. Are you an MT gay in the year 2012? Suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I worked at 54 Below, as the listeners know, for many years in the marketing department. And there's a little known fact that people might not know is behind the sound booth at 54, there's a tally wall of every time meadowlark is sung oh and it's, wow I don't know, little in fact but so i <laughs> that's that song <laughs> and i will say Lea salonga has an incredible version of it with a full symphony orchestra scenario oh. but the patty lupone version is worth a listen because she staccatos every single note but i must say she should as she should understand every word that she's saying yeah Mm-hmm. My favorite version of Meadowlark, and this is no shade to anyone else who I've heard, Liz Calloway is requisite. You know, everyone is good. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Mendez does an absolutely unreal one. Yes. She belts places that have not been belted before. The, her storytelling yes. is incredible. Just give it a listen. Feel the transcendence of art and talent and the beauty of that music, Stephen Schwartz. Ah, oh, so good. Have you heard Titus's as well? Titus Burgess? No. Wait, who you're friends with? Yeah, okay, that was going to be my drama. He's one of your mentors <laughs> and friends. Yeah, he's one of my good friends. I, I, we we met years ago. I did Broadway Dreamers Foundation, you know, and taught um, and also was trained, you know, freshman year of college, you know, and him and I became really, really good friends and, and very much mentor, ment- mentee. And he, um, this is before Kimmy Schmidt and, and everything. Right. But I remember I had gotten an audition from uh, actually Nick, uh, Nick Rodriguez, who's in company, oh. um, who understudies all of them. Mm-hmm. And he was also in Tarzan, et cetera. But I, he somehow talked to Mary Sugarman and got me an audition when I was in college for Jersey Boys on, on the national tour to replace Barry Belson. And I had gotten to New York City and I had nowhere to stay for the audition. I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know. I need to stay at night, but I 
how I think he would stay. So I texted Titus and he was like, yeah, of course you can stay at my place. You can stay at my couch. And, and he made dinner and everything. And I, you know, um, his boyfriend, Pablo's partner now. And that night took all, we sat by the piano. We had like, you know, some Prosecco or some drinks or whatever. And, and we went through all of the material for the role that he originated. <laughs> you know, he would play, he originated Barry Belson. <laughs> And it's one of those stories that I'll never forget because the kindness of somebody who's a a mega star, you know, mega Broadway star, and this is before Emmy nominations and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but it was already such a star in its own right. And for him to take that time to not only let me crash on his couch, but to take the time to make me dinner and also to work on the very role that he originated on Broadway so I could do a a slam audition was truly one of the most iconic you know <laughs> new york broadway stories i could i could possibly have i pictured um, him so in the kitchen cooking apron on but like also like yes. singing yes. definitely yes. an apron way that he speaks with a glass of wine in his hand uh-huh. while he's uh-huh. like you know and he cooks titus cooks oh, oh my god it is i mean he is so so good. I mean, you know, he's from the South. So, you know, it's it's always going to be yummy and tasty and crunchy and juicy and all the things, D, all of the above. But, Incredible. So, yeah, that's, thank you for sharing that story. That's that's the perfect way to end this. I know. City, you are so amazing and fun. And I'm just so grateful that you spent this hour with us. And I have high, high hopes for Paradise Square. And every. I hope everyone takes a chance on a new Broadway musical because it's it's like the level of like ragtime and Les Mis. It's such so big in scope and powerful in storytelling. It's really yeah. really good. Yeah, and we're you know we're hitting into award season and stuff, and so you know our fingers are crossed and you know finger toes feet everything. You know I think the work that's being done on stage is just so phenomenal, and it's uh, and and the work that people are doing it is it's just beyond. So I'm I'm excited to to hopefully you know see the show and and everyone you know get the recognition that they deserve so and you hopefully as well because you are absolutely out of this world and everyone should follow along on your journey while this is all happening um let me just look up your instagram here really i think it's just sydney dupont right yeah yes very easy peasy lemon squeezy yes love it (laughs) um and sydney follows us so you all should too we're at the drama podcast ding dong I'm at Dylan McDowell. Connor is at Connor McDowell. Sydney, thank you for everything. And Connor, I'll see you next time. Drama! Drama.